Welcome to The Socialist Program. This is the audio of our monthly seminar. Subscribe and support this programming at patreon.com slash the socialist program to join live once a month and ask Brian Becker your questions and listen to them as soon as they come out. Thanks so much for your help in keeping this independent show going. We can make this program with you, but not without you. I want to go to another story because it it really is important in terms of what's happening in terms of a geostrategic reorientation of not only global politics, but the global economy as a consequence of the Russian military intervention, the invasion into Ukraine and the U.S. sanctions against Russia. It's not just the U.S. It's like Samir Amin said, it's the United States leading global imperialism, including Western Europe, Eastern parts of the Central Europe and Eastern Europe, which are some of them very big economies, but still kind of not the dominant imperialist players, of course, but in that camp. And Japan. Here's a, an article from Wall Street Journal from just a few days ago. Russia's oil ban accelerates shift in global energy flows. Russian crude is increasingly heading to China and India, while Middle East producers are trying to sell more oil to Europe. Now, this is really important because everybody, I think, knows that in order to sanction Russia and to deplete Russia and to deplete its income base and its revenue, the United States got the West European countries and Japan to agree that there would be a price cap on Russian oil, that no one would buy Russian oil for more than $60, even if it was selling on the world market at $80 or $90 a barrel or $100 a barrel, that this would be the price cap. So the U.S. wanted everything to go like in all directions that would be beneficial to its plans. So they want to punish Russia by decreasing Russian revenues on oil, but they still wanted access for Western Europe and the United States to those oil supplies so that oil prices, gas prices, home heating fuel prices wouldn't skyrocket such that it would become a political liability for Biden and the West European capitalist governments. And so they imposed this $60 cap and then Europe all agreed, the European capitalists all agreed. But Russia said, okay, if that's what you're going to do, we're not going to sell any oil to you. We're not going to sell any Russian oil, Russian crude, to any of the countries that agree to this price cap. That this kind of, quote, unfriendly attitude towards Russia means that we won't sell it to you. So the idea was that Russia would be crushed, right? That Russia would be destroyed by the imposition of the price cap. Walter, can you read a little bit from this Wall Street Journal article? I know you have it in front of you. Let's start at the beginning. It really says a lot about how the world has shifted, how we are, in fact, in a new era of global politics. Yeah, let me just read the first three paragraphs here. It really gets to the core of it. Western sanctions on Russian fossil fuels are accelerating the shift in global energy flows, with China and Russia increasingly taking advantage of Russian oil discounts and Middle Eastern suppliers redirecting their crude to Europe. Russia is offering deep discounts to Asia's biggest oil buyers as it tries to retain market share after banning the sale of its crude and petroleum products to countries imposing a price cap. The cap bars the shipping, financing, or insuring of Russia's seaborne crude unless it is sold for $60 a barrel or less, 
a sanction leveled in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and other major Middle East energy exporters are shifting focus from their traditional markets in Asia to sell at a higher price to European nations seeking to secure their energy requirements. Yeah. So, you know, I want people to sort of wrap their head around this a little bit. Although we are, of course, advocating the end of the use of fossil fuels, at the moment, oil and petroleum products are, in fact, the central artery of the world economy. And in order to get oil, to get other petroleum products, if you're not a producing country, you have to get it by ship. And the United States has controlled not only the oil industry, the oil refining industry, but also the shipping industry and the insurance industry for shipping. And the U.S. has used its control over shipping and insurance for shipping as a way to make it impossible for there to be a free flow of petroleum products, even between countries that want to do business with each other. So unless the United States or U.S., you know, domination of the shipping industry is somehow sort of there's some way around it or the insurance industry, countries can't trade. I mean, Venezuela can't get its oil, hasn't been able frequently to get its oil to its comrades in Cuba, because, again, the shipping and insurance systems in the world economy are completely dominated or have been by by world imperialism. But what's happened in the last couple of years is that Russia has purchased a huge number of older ships, refitting ships, and also trying to work with other partners, including China and India, to circumvent or create a new system that has a different basis for insurance rather than the oligarchic monopoly capitalist insurance companies that have dominated global trade. That's an extremely important development, Walter. You know, we talked a lot about the fact that Russia's invasion into Ukraine, I mean, just stepping back and looking at it objectively, has created a new era in global politics, meaning the unipolar domination of the United States over oil, gas, shipping, insurance, access to banking, the SWIFT system, all the different ways, all the different levers in the global economy where the U.S. can basically blockade countries such that they can't live or can barely live. Like Cuba can barely get by in terms of providing for its population because it's an island. It can't get access to these things. And the U.S., of course, Cuba is no threat to the United States. Cuba never has been a threat. But the U.S. wants to crush Cuba because they don't want to have an independent country in the Caribbean, in Latin America, saying to other people in Latin America, yeah, you can be free like we're free. The U.S. wants to send a message to the Americas about Cuba the same way that the French and the U.S. sent a message to the Americas about the Haitian Revolution that succeeded in 1804, where Haiti was then basically blockaded for decades and had to pay indemnification for its own freedom, including, you know, 90% of the population were enslaved people. They had to pay the French ultimately in order to be allowed to do world trade. They had to pay the French, you know, indemnification that went on for decades and decades and decades. 
This is what the U.S. wanted to do to Russia and China as well, and has been, in essence, doing it as long as everyone cooperated. But obviously, Russia's big decision to move into Ukraine, it meant that Russia knew that it would be evicted and punished by all of the same levers of institutional economic power by the U.S., and Russia was obviously both prepared or preparing for it and also has partners in other countries in the global South who are not necessarily agreeing with the invasion of Ukraine and don't have, you know, like a political or ideological affinity with the Russians, but they too don't want to live in a world system where the triad, as Samir Amin pointed out, the United States, Western Europe, and Japan dominate and run everything. Yeah, and l- let me ask you what this means for relations inside of that imperialist triad as well. That's all for this preview. If you'd like access to the rest of this seminar and our entire archive of exclusive seminars with Brian Becker, become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We are an independent show and we cannot make this programming without you. Thanks so much for your support.